This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of December 15th, 2018. ABM Bev keeps the horses but loses more jobs. DME owes a lot of money. Like, a lot. Schlafly apologizes to four hands over innuendo. And Oscar Blues pops up in the Brittany Walker Memorial Seltzer Water segment. All this and more on Have a Drink News. (laughs) Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Hey, and I see you guys again. Yeah. yeah. It's like nothing ever happened. No, Unlike but, at AB InBev. <laughs> yeah, but we've had uh, a bit of a break, and we're going to try and play a little catch-up here. Mm. So let's start it with uh, not terribly late news. Uh, AB InBev laying off dozens of their brewery workers. Uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev has eliminated nearly 40 jobs across North America, uh, Brewbound has learned, which is where we sourced this story. In a statement issued last Friday, AB said it was making a limited number of targeted changes to its North American supply organization. Firing people. (laughs) Yeah. The changes, which affect a small number of salaried positions, are intended to better align our operations with our commercial strategy to further reduce complexity, the company said. Layoffs were first reported by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, which noted that affected employees on AB's brewing team in St. Louis were notified of the job cuts on Thursday. (coughs) Last week's cuts come about 15 (laughs) months after AB eliminated nearly 2% of its North American workforce in a move that impacted approximately 350 employees. AB uh, joins a growing list of beer companies that have downsized their workforces in 2018, including Constellation Brands, Pabst Brewing Company, Lagunitas, New Belgium, Green Flash, uh, Ninkasi, and Avery Brewing, among others. Through uh, the first nine months of 2018, AB's U.S. revenues have declined 1.4%. Okay, that's not... That is and isn't. Like, there could be worse declines, but I guess when 1.4% of what they're moving is a lot. Is, yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> Meanwhile, the company's two flagship brands, Bud Light and Budweiser, continue to lose volume, although both still rank among the top five selling beers and off-premise retailers in the U.S. During a third quarter earnings call with investors and analysts in October, AB CEO Carlos, Carlos Brito outlined a new commercial strategy in the U.S. built upon five pillars with the goal of improving sales. Those five pillars, buy all craft beer. (laughs) No, no, they gave up that strategy. (laughs) Uh, Building relevant brands that create authentic connections and inspire consumer loyalty. That's pillar number one. Pillar number two, leading trade up to higher-end offerings. So far, I'm still right. That's pillar two. So, So far, it's still just buy all craft. Uh, pillar number three, stabilizing the performance of its mainstream lager brands, which are an, an entry point to the beer category for new consumers. Stabilize. Uh, Not yeah. even grow. Just stabilize. stabilize. <laughs> Stem the Stop bleeding. Stop the bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now we see a lot of craft lagers out there. Like I said, they're just going to buy all craft. 
Uh, pillar number four, gaining share of the Beyond Beer segment, which Brito said uh, offers a significant growth opportunity but requires sustained innovation pipeline to satisfy consumers' evolving tastes. Like I said, by all craft. By all craft. Uh, and the fifth and final pillar, leading category growth through innovation. I'm pretty sure that is almost Braxton Brewing's tagline. Uh. <clears throat> So it just dawned on me as we were going to like, wait, five pillars. Why does that sound familiar? Oh, Islam. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just dawned on me halfway through and I went, oh, yeah, that's what they call it. That's- little, little two on the nose. Little two on the nose. So uh, leading the commercial reorganization is Michael Dukeris, uh, who was promoted from chief sales officer to AB's North American CEO in November 2017. AB has embarked on a number of organizational changes since uh, he was promoted. In July, the company split its high-end craft and import division into two separate business units and in the process eliminated fewer than 10 positions. A month later, as part of uh, the commercial reorganization plan, AB divided its marketing efforts into five segments. Uh, Premium and super premium, core plus value, beyond beer, Bud Light and Michelob Ultra, (laughs) and announced several sales leadership changes. Uh, Meanwhile... I'd have liked if they could put Bud Light and Michelob Ultra, like, like, you know, in our non-beer category. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Felipe uh, Spiegel... Spiegel? Uh, yeah, who had led AB's high-end and craft business units since October 2014, announced in October he would vacate his position to launch a new venture in the Beyond Beer space. AB has since tapped uh, Marcelo Mika Michaels, uh, the former vice president of sales for Region 7, which includes California, Nevada, and Arizona, as the replacement. AB will report it's a weird Hunger Games thing now. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) When it comes to AB InBev, I guess it's Hunger Games in their sales department. (laughs) Well, like, didn't wasn't Spiegel going? He's just going to the Beyond Beer part of AB InBev. Yeah. So doing what he did before, buy up anything that was interesting and make a profit. Exactly. So yeah, this time with cider. (laughs) Right. Or, you know, uh, uh, what you call it, that seltzer, but that thing, what with the THC in in liquid form. Oh, yeah, CBD. Yeah. Yeah, you know me. The cannabis. So, yeah, that's what's cooking over at AB. I mean, it was fewer jobs lost this time than the big one that they had uh, back in, what was that, back in, like, September? Yeah, where they, they cut, like... 350 some percentage so we're coming up to they've cut like almost 400 jobs this year or no they have cut at least 400 jobs this year so yeah they're you know i guess you shouldn't be surprised about corporate restructuring and all that but you know that it kind of shows they're on a bit of the defensive they've got to try to work with uh worth work with a different market than they than they're used to and plus the market for beer is not as strong as it was a few years ago. Even their own stuff, where they could count reliably on stuff as people are drinking other stuff. So, you know. It's not a guaranteed thing anymore. It's not. Indeed. And you know what happens when not so many breweries are being successful? <laughs> the brewery suppliers become unsuccessful. Yes. Mm-hmm. I also just realized that I made a mistake in the intro and the coloring. Yeah. No worries. 
didn't dawn on me until we were until we were doing it. D M E Brewing Solutions is a, uh, a manufacturer of equipment for um, for various different breweries throughout the United States and Canada and probably throughout the world. But nearly 26 months ago, after the merger of Canadian brewing equipment manufacturer Diversified Metal Engineering (DME) and Newland Systems, they combined com- the combined company has fallen into receivership after defaulting on loan payments to the Royal Bank of Canada. So I was going to ask, what does receivership mean? But then defaulting on loan payments goes, well, it's not a good thing. No, no. so uh, it's repo. Yeah. So when, the, when the bank, so they still operate business as usual, except... Just the, less stuff as the bank takes it. <laughs> the bank uh, now owns your, your, bur- or your, your business. So <laughs> instead of making these decisions... At your own level, you then have to go to a bank representative and say, hey, can we buy this or can we sell this before you can even uh, make those decisions? So um, it's sort of a, you know, we own you now type of situation. DME's group uh, financial troubles have left hundreds of North American craft breweries owners uh, who had already shelled out millions of dollars in equipment costs in limbo. So, according to documents filed in the Supreme Court of Prince Edward Islands, the area with the best muscles, as of November 22nd... Oh, are they? Yeah, PEI muscles, Prince Edward Islands. Oh, I just thought it was, like, the fanciest part of Canada. <laughs> nope, they've got uh, great muscles up there, or at least the most famous, I should say. Okay. Um, <laughs> as of uh, November 22nd, DME owes owes more than $13.5 million to the Royal Bank of Canada and other creditors, including brewery clients and about 250 employees that work at its Canadian manufacturing facilities. DME reportedly would have required an infusion of $3.7 million to continue operations, but the company could not secure additional funding from its bank or from Toronto-based venture capital firms Clear Spring Capital, which acquired a majority stake in the business in 2015. On November 26th, the Royal Bank of Canada appointed Alvarez and Marshall as DME's receiver. The firm, which specializes in turnaround management and performance improvement, also known in shorthand as You're Fired, for large businesses, (laughs) is accepting bids through January 7th, 2019 in hopes that a buyer can resurrect the business. DME's list of unsecured brewery creditors lists uh, features a host of well-known producers, including Tim Barrel Brewing. Yeah, I think they're owned by either ABM Bev or Coors, Miller Coors. Um, Anchorage Brewing, Diageo, uh, Foam Brewers, Labatt, Lord Hobo. <laughs> I want sorry, that name if they go under. Yeah, um, right. Main Beer Company. Sorry, sorry, Tyler. Monday Night Brewing from down. Uh, I Monday Night Brewing in... is a is a good name, by the way. Yep, outside like, of Atlanta. Like if you're looking for that the the football, you know, a <laughs> uh, uh, sports bar kind of crowd, that's a good name. <laughs> and they produce some good stuff too. Yeah, oh yeah. Like they've got some really high end. I mean, not high end, but high uh, high rated demand. stuff. I was gonna say there's a huge demand for their stuff. Yep. Moosehead Breweries, New Belgium, Night Shift, Notch Brewing, Tired Hands, and Wicked Weed, among many others. So um, what usually happens is you want to buy equipment. You put down half of the cost of the equipment as a deposit. Then it takes them six to eight months usually for them to create the equipment and ship it to you. 
Um, so most of these companies were buying new fermenters or uh, usually it's fermenters in this case, uh, waiting for those to be shipped to them. And now it's basically, oh, sorry, we got your deposit. We can't give it back to you and we're not going to be shipping you anything. Yeah, like that's just the worst kind of situation to be into. It's like, I've spent this money. I would like my product. Yep. Yeah, and there's no guarantee. They don't have to give you crap. Well, I mean, they should, but... Yeah, they should. Even if you sued them, uh, they have to, but they won't. Yeah. Uh, Because even if you sued them, they haven't got anything to give to you, so... Yeah, it's not like they can just write you, you know, give you your money back. It's gone now. (laughs) They they, uh, bought stainless steel. It's like when you're in prison, you're deadbeat, you know, deadbeat spouse for child support. You're not (laughs) getting that money back. No, No, it's out of principle at that point. (laughs) Well, it's because the state is also needs their cut, but whatever. <laughs> now, the uh, there could be a chance that things could work out, so there's reason for hope for the breweries. The Canadian Broadcasting Company, the CBC, reported that Alvarez and Marshall plans to bring in some workers to complete existing projects. I mean, Nevertheless, by the way, real quick, the CBC is way too close to the CDC. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, man, Canada has a lot of outbreaks, apparently. <laughs> Sorry. It's where patient zero originates. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, the outlook is bleak for many of the breweries whose equipment orders may go unfulfilled or at the very least are delayed significantly. All right. Uh, yeah, this this sucks. <laughs> like, sorry, like when I was finding this story, I was like, just this is just. Yeah, Sad. that's uh, any small, you know, startup breweries who had orders in with them. Th- this is the, you know. That's the the death note. Like, that's the nail in the coffin for them. Like, New Belgium and Wicked Weed, I'm sure they're fine. Labatt's, you know, annoyed, but they're they're not going to go under. But, you know, a smaller place? Yeah, no, they're screwed. New Belgium will just double down on uh, buying more fooders from Belgium. Yeah. Like, hey, guys, get ready. There's going to be a lot more sours coming your way. <laughs> and we've got uh in uh from from our chat t pockets means you'll likely get paid yep <laughs> uh all right well let's find less depressing news yeah let's get, okay let's get to a good uh some good dick jokes <laughs> yeah speaking uh, of dick jokes schlafly is in the news uh company with the worst name to order when drink when drunk <laughs> Um, they uh, had to issue an apology to Four Hands Brewing. Two days after St. Louis Brewing Company CEO James Pendergast resigned, uh, we're pulling this from Brewbound, by the way, uh, the executive's former employer uh, issued an apology to Four Hands for a newsletter that was circulated to bars and restaurants that criticized the rival craft brewery in the St. Louis, uh, the St. Louis Dispatch reported. Uh, St. Louis Brewery, which makes Schlafly, issued a joint press release with four hands acknowledging that an unnamed Schlafly senior executive had caused negative and misleading information circulated about four hands via anonymous uh, newsletter. The company added that the executive has since resigned. (laughs) Hmm. I believe that was a forceful resignation. There was no him going... Oh, my bad, guys. Let me walk away from my job. Yeah. Well, the newsletter in question... 
a newsletter in question called the Brew IQ in the Lou. That's a terrible name. Uh, <laughs> uh, claimed four hands uh, was named after a sex act performed in massage parlors. All right, just wanted to let that one sink in a bit there. <laughs> so, uh, so what is this? Like, I need to know. Like, inquiring minds want to know. I'm assuming it's a it's a two to four person hand job. You can assume. So let's uh, go. You keep doing that. I'm going to the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> All right. Uh, the lady. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to read a quote here from the newsletter. The ladies are becoming woke and starting to ask questions. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Are becoming woke hurts me in my soul. Uh, this is what happens when a 70-year-old man tries to write like they're millennials. Right. I'm just like, <clears throat> grammatically, it hurts me. All right. Um, uh, this just in. We have the official, uh, the official, official Urban Dictionary definition of forehand. So uh, the <laughs> oh gosh the, the the sanitized is a massage by two girls or guys uh, used in a sentence. Tina and Molly gave me a great forehand. Yeah, for in tennis, they, he took these masseuses out to play tennis. Or. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, there, there are other other uh, <laughs> other parts to the definition, but we'll leave it at that. The newsletter goes on to say, we'd like to give them a hand, but think that four are proving to be too many. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, Slow hands. <laughs> Schlafly co-founder Tom Schlafly apologized, and four hands founder Kevin Lemp accepted uh, Limp added that four hands was named for the intertwined <laughs> hands of his family. No. His name's Limp? Yes. <laughs> Limp. L-E-M-P. Okay. I was just sitting here going, are we seriously? <laughs> A place where they're implying they named after... And his yeah. last name's Limp, but not, not spelled this Limp. Limp. Oh. Uh, it says we are embarrassed to learn of these actions and sincerely apologize to Forehand Brewing. Uh, he said in the release, "Such actions are inconsistent with the core values on which we were founded, which have defined Schlafly for 27 years." So, yeah. <laughs> so, in other news that didn't have anything to do with this <laughs> but happened around the same time James Pendergraph CEO of Schlafly resigned in a statement uh, uh, that uh, it was upon hiring a uh, successor yeah I was going to say this starts out with him saying two days ago he, he resigned and then a senior executive caused misleading and negative information to be circulated about four hands. Ah. So, dun, dun, dun. I mean, I we can't say for certain. <laughs> I'm just asking questions. <laughs> uh, sorry, I almost, for some reason, my brain almost wanted to go into full... Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, 
libertarian Fox News guy. I know that doesn't limit it down any. Um, Stossel. I oh. almost put oh, Stossel yeah. on it. Yeah. Schlafly wants you to think. <laughs> James Pendergrass resigned. The two, the executive's former employee, often issued an apology to Four Hands. But why? All right, let's. Moving, moving on to something completely different. Scoot away from that. From uh, <laughs> really, because I can do more stossel. From limp forehands. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Um, that literally hurts. Okay. Uh, oh, is it time for the Brittany Walker Memorial Water section? Yes. I'm not dead. Sparkling. <laughs> Look, I, you don't have to die for me to remember you. <laughs> it helps. I, I, thanks. I don't. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so, of course, <laughs> we come back and I'm, I have a new sparkling water story. <laughs> Even though I can drink now, it just has to be between and uh, she has breastfeedings. <laughs> she has. She, uh, I allowed her to choose anything that, like, I had... Allowed a, her? Any beers <laughs> that I was even saving. Like, any, I was like, whatever you want. I was like, just name it. And she wanted the barrel-aged uh, Stay Puffed with peanut butter. From Maine. From Barreled Souls that uh, Tyler graciously gave us from Maine. And it was delicious. She chose wisely. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, uh, Oscar Blues, uh, you know, famed beer brand, launching a hard seltzer line. Because, sure. Because why not? Yeah. Uh, it's coming in 2019. Um, the Longmont, Colorado headquartered beer company, which is part of the Canarchy Craft Beer Co- Brewery Collective is planning a nationwide launch of a new hard seltzer brand in early 2019. Initial shipments of the new offering called uh, Wild Basin Boozy Sparkling Water will roll out in Colorado and North Carolina in January. Uh, according to the release, the 100 calorie 5% ABV hard seltzer will be available in four flavors classic lime, cucumber, peach. Lemon, agave, hibiscus, and melon basil. The Man. Cl- yeah. None of those sound like anything I want. What? Uh, melon, I w- basil. I would try That's the lemon, agave, one. hibiscus. That sounds good, actually. It's just... Because, uh, like, when I think of, like, seltzer water and flavored seltzer, it's like, there's probably not that much flavor to it. Like, oh, here's a bit of... Yeah. Okay, okay, then you haven't even had it, so... <laughs> I haven't. They're, they're, I can't make judgments. It's just my brain immediately goes, I don't think you want this. There okay, is, brain. There is flavor. It's just that it's not sugary. Um, to the, <laughs> I love that they have to say that it's gluten-free, though, because like that's important. It's water. <laughs> the gluten-free product, which also contains... Well, you know, there's no bread in any of the flavorings right. they're using. The water, which contains no uh, wheat. Um, <laughs> so it oh. contains one carb and zero sugar. Targeted to active, quote, active lifestyle consumers who value the outdoors, socializing with friends, and healthier living. <laughs> Where does nope, nope, I don't want any of that. Where does Where what? The, the, the one carbohydrate part. come from? I don't, I, I'm from guessing the, oh, it's actual boozy, sugar. boozy, okay, the it's alcohol. boozy, yeah. okay. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's a hard uh, cider, it's a hard seltzer. Yeah, so uh, it, it's there's something from that, from whatever the alcohol is coming from. Um, also, by the way, active lifestyle who values outdoors, socializing with friends, and healthier living is definitely not me. 
Fair enough. Uh, Oscar Blues enters a hard seltzer category dominated by Mark Anthony Brand's White Claw and Boston Beer Company's Truly Spiked and Sparkling. Through November 4th, off-premise dollar sales of the flavored malt beverages, uh, which include hard seltzers, were up 9.7% in market research firm IRI's multi-outlet and convenience store universe. Um, Though the or sorry through the first ten months of 2018, dollar sta- uh, sales of White Claw variety packs were up 453 <laughs> percent to more than 90 million dollars, while the company's Jesus. Black Cherry packs were up 137.7 percent to more than 36 million dollars. Mm, Black Cherry growth like that is just disgusting. Yeah, no, that this category has gone kind of bananas. So. Um, with, oh, these seltzer beverages, mm-hmm. I haven't had one yet. Yeah, but I have a feeling they're going to taste a lot like Zima. Yeah. Yes. I, th- right I see, and I haven't had one yet either. And now I can actually finally try one to see what the fuss is about. <laughs> that and you canned almost wine. missed. Oh, I'm not trying canned wine. That just sounds wrong. <laughs> I would do canned wine before the seltzer oh, stuff. Canned wine. I heard candle wine and went <laughs> like an, like in the restaurants thing. where you melt the. I'm I'm feeling some patron episodes coming up where we try some canned wines and some of these uh, and, the, and the hard seltzers. Yeah, the hard seltzers. We should rename our Patreon to "I'll drink that for a dollar." <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, honey. Uh, the baby's like uh no what what's this loud noise about? the baby does not approve of my joke <laughs> oh the frown on his face uh <laughs> uh so anyway um yeah i can't get over those numbers first of all but uh so according to oscar blues wild basin offerings will be produced at its longmont manufacturing facility where the company made a significant investment in new canning and packaging lines probably because of this uh, so its new product will compete alongside roughly a dozen hard seltzer brands, including, quote, craft offerings from breweries such as, oh, shit, uh, Wachusett. That's Watch probably wrong. What? That. Um, I don't know. Like, I literally just guessed. Yeah. Uh, an, a brand called Two Beers, like the number two beers. Uh, Better than four hands. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Two uh, beers is better than four hands in the bush. Wait, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> wow. Uh, MIA Beer Company, as well as products from large alcohol companies, Constellation Brands, Anheuser-Busch, and Diageo, of course, uh, among many others. So, Smirnoff so, yeah. hard spike sparkling, as if Smirnoff wasn't weak enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they already had a version of that out years ago, if I recall. I would just put it back out again. Yeah. Well, so I'm. I thought it's. They just didn't label it as sparkling, but they had little carbonated premixed cocktails. So I'm not surprised at all that yet another beer company is trying to make hard seltzer water. Um, but it's odd that it says it's going to be rolling out in Colorado, North Carolina only in January. Well, like, um, when is the mass production? Oscar Blues is good for that kind of stuff. Like they are. That's where their production facilities are. So, uh, and they've got that big thing coming up on the 21st. Uh, I don't know why I'm plugging something for Oscar Blues, but if you can get to Longmont for the solstice, they are launching 
uh, I think it's like 12 barrel-aged beers, most of which they've never brewed before and will only be available if you go down to the Longmont Brewery on the 21st. And I wish I still had time off. It's some insane stuff. Like You should go look at the list. I'm more concerned on why they're launching in January, if this is for in in Colorado and uh, North Carolina, if this is for a outdoor lifestyle. Ah, well, I, I no, I can see that. Like, if give you time, give you time to try it out to see that you like it for when you go outdoors. <laughs> there yeah. are those weird people who go like you know snow or, hiking and. Or it's for St. Bernards. <laughs> Putting the little casks around their necks. Oh. <laughs> All right. Why not? Well. All right. Well, uh, speaking of blasphemy, uh, <laughs> Founders All Day IPA bound for West Coast to be brewed in Colorado. Oh, so, they're opening up a place in Colorado. No, no. Uh, so, uh, that would found- be logical. <laughs> Grand Rapids, Michigan, Founders Beer will now be brewed in the Rocky Mountains. Beginning in 2019, the Grand Rapids-based brewery will begin contract brewing its popular all-day IPA at Avery Brewing Company in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, Founders announced this last Monday. The decision to outsource brewing responsibilities from its Grand Rapids facility and uh, on Granville Avenue is in response to growing volume demands for the ever-expanding brewery. Both Avery and Founders are partly owned by Spain-based Mahal San Miguel Group. San Miguel. Yeah, I was literally typing into Google, who owns Avery Brewing? San Miguel Group. I got as far as AV in Avery before I went, you want who owns Avery Brewing? Thank you, Google. You know too much about me. So the beer made at Avery will head west. So when I first saw headlines for this, I was outraged and I was pissed. And then it's like, oh, no, this is all so they can get a fresher product to the West Coast. And I stopped. Which I'm Okay. So I am totally fine with that. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. If if they can do that to get it that way, and I'm sure eventually there might be some trade-off coming back where Avery gets founders to do something for them to get a fresher product to the East Coast. And it's like, whatever. All right. Also, it's cheaper than them building a facility. That they don't have to build yet. So all of our, everyone do not fret. All of our East Coast all-day IPA is still going to be brewed in Michigan. See, that's right. So so East Coast. Uh, So founders began uh, distributing in Colorado in October, making it the 47th state that founders distributes to. Let that sink in. There's not a whole lot. Of breweries that are distributing that far and wide because it wasn't until last year that New Belgium hit hit at least forty seven states. Yeah, uh, the three remaining states where founders doesn't distribute are Wyoming, Utah. There's and no Hawaii. one there. There's no one in Wyoming. Founders doesn't have a single beer that could meet the requirements for requirement Utah. Requirement for Utah and Hawaii's far off. <laughs> and Hawaii's just eventually going to fall back into the ocean. It doesn't matter. Uh, rest assured, anything created with the founder's name on it will be just as delicious and consistent with product uh, coming out of Grand Rapids. Uh, that's what the news release reads. Our production team has completed a number of quality checks at the Avery facility. We're confident in their system's ability to replicate all-day IPA. This is the first time Founders has contract brewed since its first batch in 1997. 
Uh, you can pick up 15 packs of cans and kegs in early 2019 on the West Coast. You know, I am... I want to see if we can try an experiment with this, then see how well they stack up. Buy one on the West Coast and then fly out... Or buy one on the East Coast and fly out West and see how it compares. Yeah, and see if you can get to too close like really close on brew dates yeah uh i don't know maybe it's something to to think on that'd be a fun one i i have a feeling that uh unless you're really altering the water you're using to brew it there really could be a difference there well i mean and even then you can alter the water to match the water they originally use i'm i'm assuming they'll do that but yeah it it seems like the water quality coming out i don't know it's going to be different my my assumption is that Avery probably can do everything close enough. They like, can add uh, the mineral or whatever that needs to be added to get the flavor profile. It's not going to be different enough for us to, to realistically be able to distinguish. Probably. probably. But there's only one way to find out. Only one way. I think probably the hops that they're using may have more than even, you know, those are more of an agriculture product that changes. Yeah, mm. well, and... And that would just change, I guess, year to year. Well, I guess unless they buy it from the same. Yeah, I mean, it, that would change year to year. That would change batch to batch. So even yeah. which bale they're pulling from in one location versus another. Uh, or even, hey, we just used up all of this one. Let's go to the next one, which is a different lot number. Which is the same kind of, you know, I don't want to say inconsistency because that sounds wrong. but or That sounds negative. But, it, it you know, it's the only word that works. Uh, it is, yeah. It's it's the same kind of inconsistency you would get now with a uh, exactly, which I mean as again again it's not even to say it's a bad thing. You could have one really good year for a for an all day IPA. True. That's where we get into that wine category. Oh <laughs> no, that was a good year for hops. Mm. Oh yes, it was a very dry year. I can taste oh, it. Oh, mm. oh, they had a drought this year, <laughs> and I believe the picker. Was pregnant with a boy. <laughs> Too pretentious. Yeah. Speaking of just pre- like <laughs> Starbucks in their new first ever cocktail bar and roastery in New York City. The word roastery is already. Exactly. <laughs> it's now possible to tie on more than a caffeine buzz at Starbucks. The Seattle based coffee chain today, which actually was the 14th. So yesterday. As of this recording, um, just launched a special, sorry, uh, launched a special Starbucks Reserve Roastery in New York City, equipped with Starbucks's first ever cocktail bar. The new roastery, which debuted in New York City on Friday, the 14th of December, spans 23,000 square feet in New York City. That's huge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Rent on that. A scoop shop of globally sourced coffee beans, an in-house bakery, and a cocktail bar complete with mixologists in bow ties. Yes. Obviously. That's where we get to the pretentious. The cocktails and drinks will feature Starbucks coffee and tea. Nation's Restaurant News reports it will be the largest coffee roasting plant in Manhattan, according to the company. The space will also feature a terrarium because why not, and a 10-foot, 2,000-pound copper sculpture of the iconic Starbucks siren designed by Max Steiner, a Brooklyn-based artist. 
you know what? If they've got a terrarium, I have to imagine it's also massive and probably more massive than some New York City apartments. Yeah. How big did we say it was? Twenty three thousand square feet. Oh, okay, that's okay. That, I was thinking that, of it compared to um, the size of the Apple Store in New York City. That's now seventy seven thousand after they expanded. So square feet. The average U.S. home is two thousand, I believe. Okay, sure. but I mean, we're talking about <laughs> a place that's selling coffee and a place that's selling you two thousand dollar computers. I feel like well, the coffee should have more room, honestly. <laughs> no, it's not about the, room. It's about being able to afford the room. Oh, yeah. Your profit margins are much greater. They got to sell a lot of coffee and a lot of cocktails. I mean, they got to sell Buzz beer. <laughs> Close enough. Located in Manhattan's meatpacking district, which, okay. They say it's an ideal spot to catch locals and tourists coming out of the subway off the High Line or out of Chelsea Market. Oh, yeah, I would sense. have thought it would have been more of a place for meat packers, but I don't know if it still meat. packs meat. Packers. There's not a lot of <laughs> meat packing just... happening down there anymore. Yeah, I think that's just an old historic name for it. Starbucks also has a roastery location in Seattle, Shanghai, and Milan, and plans to open new locations in Tokyo and Chicago next year. But for now, you'll have to get your simultaneous coffee and cocktail buzz in New York City. So uh, adding on to that based off of the meatpacking district, that's like going, oh, I thought there were a lot of German people in Over the Rhine. You stop and go, not for like 150 years. Yeah. Uh, millennials. It's all millennials. <laughs> and fried chicken. Why would you say fried chicken? Because <laughs> they've got the Eagle, which oh. is like the best fried chicken joint in, in Cincinnati. Says some people. Oh. Yes. It's all right. I thought it was it was fine. Actually, it wasn't that great at all. I'd rather go to Raising <laughs> Cane's. I haven't had it. I don't know. I, I'd I'm rather willing go, to. I'm willing to find out. I'd rather go to I Raising heard... Cane's where I don't have to split a four person booth with six people, and another family that I don't know. Mm. <laughs> oh wait, what? They for they only have booths, and they make you like if you only have uh, four or fewer people, they make you split that booth with another party. And they're oh, not spaces. Never mind. Not going there. <laughs> you get it to go. <laughs> get it to go. All right. Uh, you go over to the more arcade, arcade bar. I need it there. Oh, yeah, 16 bit. Mm. Yep. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> you should. The else you could probably drink at the 16 bit in a in a nerdy kind of bar. You should Star be Trek able scotch. to. Yes, Star Trek Scotch. They dropped the ball. Okay. It, it, they did. They did. We gave them a name. We handed. We told it to them what they use. We wouldn't have charged them. We wouldn't have said a word. We would have just asked for a free bottle. That's it. You know. I wouldn't even ask for that. Just, just knowing in my heart that it was the correct name. <laughs> so, what was the name that we suggested? Beam me up, Scotchy. Right. So the actual name of uh, the Star Trek Scotch is just Montgomery Scott. Blended Scotch whiskey. It is. It, it is it's good. A, it's, a, it's it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I, so for those not in the know, that's literally just the name of the character from the the Scottish character from Star Trek. Or I'm giving her all she's got. Yeah. <laughs> Why does it not have that in quotes on the bottle? But on the page with the story, it, it real real big at the top. It says, "Great Scotch. Great Scotch. Scotch." 
Uh, and then also the tagline, go go boldly, drink responsibly, which I also like. It, okay, hold on real quick. Great Scott. I'm pretty sure that's just... Great Scotch. Uh, no, yeah, but, but Great Scott is is just professor is just dr emmett brown yeah i don't think that <laughs> that montgomery scott ever said oh probably not no uh I, yeah i really don't think so actually at all in fairness no one ever said beam me up scotty either no they didn't it was scotty beam us up uh beam me up uh, the closest one was beam us up scotty which was in the infinite, Vul- infinite vulcan oh. yeah uh, in an animated episode yeah, one of the yeah they 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 never actually say beam me up, Scotty. It's one of those um, Mandela effect things. Yeah. Oh, that you sucks. Know. Yeah, but that's t- like that's the true. movie Shazam. <laughs> See, I, didn't, I didn't watch as much TOS. So anyway, uh, so the the frankly bizarre trend of Star Star Trek tie-in liquor, uh, which already gave the why um, Guinan inspired vodka. I was like, why am I blacking out? Uh, You're just looking at like, how do you pronounce that, Guinan? Yeah, because you just don't see it spelled. No, 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 no. I I, I had scrolled down and missed it, so I was like, what? What are we trying to find? Yeah, if I see her, I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, continues with the most logical continuation of a line of Trek booze uh, that could have perhaps outside of some sort of Klingon blood wine stand-in. Why don't they have that? Oh my god. Uh, Don't. If there was something I learned from Night Attack, it was don't party with Klingons. Not at Dragon Con. So they've revealed that this is the third drink in the silver screen bottling's uh, line of Trek-themed drinks. It's a blended Scotch whiskey inspired by everyone's favorite outer space Scotsman, Montgomery Scotty Scott. Um, it's perhaps about as obvious a direction as this line could go. Which, uh, Yeah, it is. Um... <laughs> Appropriate, too, given that Scotty himself loved a wee dram every now and then when he wasn't yelling about the Enterprise's engines and their capacity to take much more of, well, anything. Um, Look, as we know, Scotty was lying 90% of the time, so everyone would think he was better than he was. (laughs) Well, um, so the whiskey is made in Glasgow. Uh, It says, odd, given Scotty described his youth as an Aberdeen pub crawler. Um, and it's going to be available for 50 bucks a pop in the spring of next year. If you're excited about the prospect of pre-ordering the spirit, though, you can. And they have an official website to do so. So you can pre-order the scotch, which is not a typical thing you can do. I'm going to... Yeah, it's on the official Star Trek website. You can pre-order it. I think the bottle looks really nice, though, at least. Yeah, it is a nice decanter. It's... Like, that's a really nice had... font and whatnot. They've had some actually pretty solid bottle designs. Like they're 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 not going too nuts with it. I think Guinan's had a little bit of TNG buttons somewhere near it, but yeah, I don't remember what that one looked like actually. But it's not like super in your face Star Trek. Like this one, you just have like the Federation logo on the on the neck, and you've got you know the color scheme is all with that. But like that that uh, 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 Scottish uh, broadsword kind of thing in the middle yeah i mean it, it, it's or, nice looking you know it's yeah it's 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 a nice looking bottle and and i want to drink it i want to drink all of them yeah oh yeah i don't okay. know how much that's because i'm a star trek fan and how much is because uh you know yeah. i do a show about drinking Both? Uh, call me, call me. yeah um 
It's okay. So uh, on the one website, it's got like the picture of all three of them together, all three of the bottles. I forgot. Like I really like the James D. Kirk bottle as well. Yeah. The bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, they're they're all pretty still uh, simplistic, though. You know. All right. Well, um, you know, if if I drank that whole bottle, I would probably run into some trouble. What like kind Florida of man. Oh, Florida man. He's at it again. Uh, yeah. So, just want to read the headline real quick. Pensacola man arrested for barging into homes seeking someone to fight him. I mean, shit happens when you party naked. Come at me, bro. Drunken, <laughs> drunken shirtless man allegedly barged into several Pensacola. 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 Pensacola homes looking for a fight before running into a fence and knocking himself out. <laughs> Christopher Doyle no- Norman, 32, was arrested Tuesday night for numerous offenses, including home invasion, battery, burglary, larceny, and criminal mischief. Wow. I feel like laughing less when I read the charges. Uh, <laughs> so does he. So does he. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Norman allegedly began his rampage by kicking open a gate in a uh, 2000 block of Langley Avenue, approaching a woman who was sitting outside her mobile home and punching her in the side of the head. (laughs) What? Jesus. Didn't even like, like no screwing around, just. uh, Allegedly, he then damaged a ladder and the exterior door of the, of the the residence before moving on to the next home. (laughs) done and on to the next one i guess he's just Uh, florida santa claus there norman allegedly fell through the open front door one of the residents grabbed a hammer and ordered norman to leave he allegedly left the trailer park yelling that he would come back and burn the trailer down (laughs) they can shoot him now (laughs) it It wasn't legal in florida before he's threatened to burn something he's he's dead Norman allegedly went to a nearby apartment complex and began knocking on an apartment door. When the resident answered, a shirtless Norman alleged uh, allegedly began yelling at the resident to fight him. <laughs> Still no idea why. The resident closed and locked the door. And Norman allegedly began to ram said. the <laughs> he began to ram the door with his shoulder, causing damage to the door and the frame. God. He allegedly he's moved. A... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say he's a special kind of stupid. He allegedly moved on to another residence where he walled in through the closed door, but unlocked and began uh, the closed but unlocked door and began yelling for apartments to male occupants to come fight him. <laughs> he allegedly began chasing the victims around a table, and unable to catch them, threw a lamp at them and <laughs> missed. What? Okay, so two things. <laughs> Um, this up. One, this sounds like an episode of Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. Uh, two. Um, is this just like a the story? The purpose of this story is what like, and here's how to not drink responsibly. Yeah, pretty <laughs> it's much. Funny. Uh, there's there's like so much debauchery that's sad, and then at a certain point, it becomes Benny Hill. That's yeah. A, yeah, that's what it's... it's... Yeah, Yakety Sax started playing by the time he got to the door in which he threw a lamp. 
I literally <laughs> just I'm seeing this scene play out. In Topless women park came in from nowhere and started running around in a circle with them, and then left just as quickly. It was pandemonium. There's, there's still more. <laughs> oh god! But wait, there's more. According to the report, Norman grabbed a slice of pizza before chasing one of the victims. Hold on. Uh, chasing one of the victims into a bedroom, snatching a landline phone from a victim who was attempting to dial 911. He literally swung the phone at the uh, at the victim and hitting them in the back of the head. The pizza is the most interesting part of this to me. Is that where the larceny charge comes in? <laughs> that man stole my pizza. <laughs> Grand theft pizza. Ooh. So the unfunny yeah. parts are where he actually like physically assaults Hurts people. people. Like that's yes. messed up. That becomes less funny. But the stealing pizza part is still... He's like, you know what, guys? I'm too drunk. Let me let me get, get some food in me. All right, now I'm ready to hit you with a phone. <laughs> Deputies arrived on scene to find Norman unresponsive. Hmm. Oh, sorry. Uh, Norman chased the man outside of the apartment complex before running into a chain fence, knocking it down and passing out on top of it. Oh, wow. On top of it. I was thinking he passed out on the ground. So he was hanging yeah. on the fence unconscious. Uh, well, he knocked it down. So basically oh. he got ah. through the fence oh. and is like just got all tuckered out and took a nap. <laughs> so can you imagine? He's probably got like the, the, the design of the fence and his like just yeah. on his face. Hopefully like. permanently. Well, the deputies arrive on the scene to find him unresponsive and seemingly under the influence of alcohol. Oh, hmm. Shit. hmm. Is that it? Yeah, they were uh, able to handcuff him without further inc incident, although he allegedly made vague threats to the deputies during his arrest. I will burn your handcuffs down. <laughs> now, that said, you look at the picture, the mugshot picture they have, and it's like every Florida man. <laughs> For some not, reason? not every man in Florida. Oh, yeah. Every <laughs> Florida man story. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, I just keep picturing Jesco White. That's... <laughs> oh, God. Well... You know there's going to be some patchy facial hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy looks like he's laid out in the sun for way too long. He's in Florida. Yeah. I mean, like, recently. Like, he had a day drunk going on or something. He's in Florida, Casey. I just assume he's red. <laughs> Whoa. Way, I guess. Whoa. I'm not talking about a native tribe. I'm talking about sunburn. All right, well, since it's going that way, uh, before we head off of here, we do have to... I had to shed light on this because this story makes me way too happy. Beer Advocate and Dogfish Head to release Double New England Maple Pastry Black Coffee Milkshake IPA. <laughs> that is the official name of that beer. Yeah, no, don't, that seems it seems right. Yeah, I'll, I'll drink that. Don't call it an Imperial Stout on Friday, February 1st at the Extreme Bear Fest in Boston. Dogfish Head Brewing and Eats in Rehoboth Beach, uh, Delaware, and Dogfish Head Tasting Room and Kitchen in Milton, Delaware. Beer Advocate and Dogfish Head will simultaneously re release their latest collaboration. Possibly the next top-rated beer on Beer Advocate is the name, and that is the official style, is a double New England... Uh, Maple pastry black coffee milkshake IPA. Brewed with maple syrup, lactose coconut, lactose, lactose, vanilla beans, cocoa powder, and cold pressed coffee. This style Is it barrel aged? <laughs> no, no. Oh, can't buy it. <laughs> this style defining beer presents the eleventh 
time, Beer Advocate and Dogfish Head have collaborated on a beer for the annual event, weighing in at approximately 10% ABV and heavily hopped with HBC 472, an experimental uh, varietal known to produce a woody coconut-like or bourbon-y character. So they got that barrel-aged flavor in there for you. That sounds delicious. Possibly the next top-rated beer on Beer Advocate will also be served to festival attendees with an extra dash of off-centered flair. Hops-infused glitter-whipped cream created by Brewing by Brewings and Eats Head Chef. Nope. I, nope. I don't support whipped cream in any form. I, I love the idea of this. I want to try it. Yes. But I love taking every buzzword in craft beer and going, we're just going to make a beer with this. All of it. All of it. Put it all into one beer. Do it. That's pretty great. All right. I'm not what surprised at all that get... it's dogfish head. Sorry. Wow. Huh. Casey's looking up that hop. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's out of stock right now at a bunch of different places. I'm trying to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Because he's like a, a woody, bourbony hop. Well, a a coconut. If I could have a coconut hop, man. Think of the possibilities. Exactly right. All right. Well, on that note, now that we all have something to go look for and buy, uh, we'd like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show. But we do a weekly long-form show, now that we're back, uh, discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And now that we are back, we will see you again next Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>